0: In a stadium rich with tradition, we have that here, and it reeks. And when you come in, teams take the field; they can feel it. The lights shine the brightest. Definitely, playing at Camp Randall is one of the best places to play in college football. This is the Cam. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, and the athletics, Jesse Temple, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Jump. Yes, welcome into the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Zach Kyle, the Athletics, Jesse Temple, along with you. All right, well, Wisconsin did not win the Big Ten, but they did get a bid to the Rose Bowl. They will play Oregon on January 1st in Pasadena, their first trip to the bowl game since uh, 2012, I guess the 2012 season, 2013 Rose Bowl. And uh, it's an accomplishment, and it is great but I'm sure they would love to be going there as Big Ten champs, and they came up a little bit short in their game, played a fantastic first half, could not sustain there in the second half as Ohio State just was an unstoppable machine there in the second half, especially offensively. Couldn't stop them. I think that's essentially what it was, and I think it was very similar to the first game, except Wisconsin's offense showed up better in the, in the second game than the first game. But overall, I think you have to applaud the effort by Wisconsin just being the situation they were in. I thought that there was a really, really good game plan, especially in the first half. Paul Christ... Slash Joe Rudolph called a great game. And uh, they did the best, I think, as they could possibly hope.
1: That was the best half of football we've seen from Wisconsin all year considering the opponent and the circumstances. And I understand they've destroyed lesser foes this season by wider margins. But the offensive game plan, the strategy that they implemented was tremendous. And the defense in the first half was just as good, if not better. If you look at what Ohio State did... Uh, they had four drives, the and they had a nine-play drive, ten-play, ten-play, ten-play. And for Ohio State to wind up with just seven points out of that, um, I think is incredible. I mean, sort of that bend but don't break. They forced the fumble at the four-yard line, and yeah. and the offense just, everything seemed to click. And I, they needed to make changes. We know that because they the offensive line was destroyed the first time they played Ohio State. They watched a lot of film on it. they The line deserved a lot of credit for turning some things around in the offense in general since November started. Yeah. But it was... Quick throws. Let's get it out of Jack's hands right away so Ohio State doesn't have a chance to pressure him. Let's get the ball in our two best playmakers hands and let them go to work. We saw Jonathan Taylor do it and we saw Quintez Cephas. He was the focal point because Jack threw 13 first half passes and 10 of them were targeted at Quintez.
0: They were and and a lot of it came with uh, Jeff Okuda on the sideline and they went after a backup and you know, Quintos was fantastic. You know, he only of those ten targets, I think he had four catches, yeah. four for eighty-five. Uh, there was one, I think he had his hands on. Probably it should have been a catch. The one where he turned upfield before he had the ball that could have been a huge play. But for the most part, he was the type of wide receiver that we all thought he could be going into his junior season last year. Like this was the type of year that we thought he could have last year. He came out and it's just been fantastic the last two weeks. I mean, over 100 yards back-to-back games has been the guy, and yeah, and JT got it started great, right? I mean, they, they go the pass to Quintez Civas off the right off the first play, and it felt like they're going for it. They're not, and I think there was some worrisome going into that game whether they were going to do that, whether they were going to come out and play the way they had played the previous week, where they just saying screw it, we're not going to go into little. Into our shell, and just you know, hand off handoff handoff, like they did on the first drive against Minnesota. first drive against Ohio State, they came out came out firing. And uh, I know Gus Johnson said it, but I think it was true. they they hit Ohio State in the mouth. And just, you know, we're here. We're going to play. and it took Ohio State quite a bit to get up from that punch. They absolutely had to play that way, too, because they did. if you go back and look at the first game, like that's not
1: going to work. you You can't just give the ball to Taylor and be, one dimensional and sit back there and not get the ball out quick and and not be aggressive and and that's that's how they were able to have some success and i think what jonathan did it, it was really i think for him probably validating because He has had so much success, right, in his college career. He's over 6,000 career yards, and I still think there was a faction, probably mostly Ohio State fans, who said, well, so what? What's he ever done against a team of this caliber? He had 93 yards rushing in two games against them. And he comes out and, like you said, punches him right in the mouth, goes down and has a 44-yard touchdown run to put them ahead. And the last drive was as big as any drive because of the first half, at least. If he takes a carry and goes three yards— they sit on it and they go into halftime up 14 to seven, but he breaks one down the left sideline for 45 yards and puts him in position. Jack throws it to Quintes with that great catch, and then Jack punches it in. And he had more yards in like three carries than he had against Ohio State last time. So I thought it was good for him. Um, and I think it showed the nation that he can do that against anyone.
0: Right. Very validating, I would say, especially because it was so many Ohio State fans in everything every little uh, every tweet about jonathan taylor from the national media organization talking about how great he has been in his career always was followed by yeah let's see what he does against ohio state what's he done against ohio state well 148 yards on just 20 carries 7.4 yards a carry yeah and and the last he had 154 until he had that 6 yard loss late in that in that game but yeah, I, I think that that was very validating for him. The story in the first half was was Jack Cohn. It wasn't necessarily the passing, though. He did he did find Quintez a couple times. Like, I don't think his passing numbers were overly uh, impressive in the first half, but he found Quintes and then his legs extended drives. I mean, you, the first drive, third and seven, he gets out of the pocket, puts a move on uh, on Browning, puts him on his. I mean, broke his ankles and, and got the first down. Had another first down on, a, on a, when he escaped the pocket later on. And then he obviously goes in on the read option from 14 yards out. I thought, and I, I tweeted this as it is, but there's a little strut to his game that I hadn't seen since the Michigan game. Like on a couple of those runs, he got up and he started walking towards the end zone and let's <clears throat> go after that first, first down. So he was into it, his beard was into it, and uh, he gave them a shot.
1: Yeah, he did, and I think that's a really underrated part of his game, and and obviously what he did in high school is different, but he ran for over 3,000 yards in high school. This is something he can do. He always says it's not – obviously it's not his forte, and he's a pass-first quarterback, but if you underestimate his ability, you saw what he did against Michigan when he juked a guy out of his shoes basically in the backfield and went for a 25-yard touchdown run, and as you said, he had two third-down conversions, a third-and-seven and and a third-and-nine. I think he got nine yards on both runs to extend drives, and then completely faked out the Ohio State defense that went with Jonathan Taylor if I was on defense I probably would too I've, I was <laughs> faked out by it
0: I was still watching JT and Mike. he just got stuff from the backfield and then obviously right yeah. Jack goes for the 14 yard touchdown
1: run so they really they they pulled out everything they had I thought there were in in like subtle ways too I mean I remember one play where I think it was early they ran the the fake jet sweep action to Cruikshank and wound up handing it off to Taylor and it was a misdirection. It went the other way and it went for a first down or even the Danny Davis, uh, the Danny Davis sweep. They needed that was that like, was five and he was got the first down.
0: That was ballsy to, to for that play call. Yeah, and it was. And, and it was played pretty well. A fourth and five, was it? It was either fourth and four or fourth and five. And yeah. It was played pretty well, and Danny put his head down and pushed ahead for it. But
1: yeah. They just they did everything they needed to do to give themselves a chance, Yeah, and then the second half happened.
0: It did. The second half happened, and, you know, look, Ohio State has been the best team in the country, at least in my opinion, has been the best team in the country, country for pretty much all season. I mean, obviously, people go back and forth between them and LSU, but I've always thought Ohio State was the best team. And they showed up in the second half, had not Dealt with a ton of adversity. They they had trailed for like nine minutes all year going in, you know, going into that game. And so, for them to be trailing at half, for them to be trailing the entire, essentially, you know, Wisconsin scores early in that first quarter. They trail the rest of the half. They came back and they they got after Wisconsin. And defensively, they got some stops. Offensively, they got rolling. And whereas Wisconsin was able to get a few, able to hold up a little bit there in the first half, it becomes an avalanche. And they get it feels like they get one first down, and all of a sudden it's just boom right down the field. It just one after another, and there were a couple of key plays, third down plays, that Wisconsin could have gotten off the field. The first possession of the second half, they they get him out of the pocket. Justin Fields gets out of the pocket. Didn't do a ton of running, but he get him out of the pocket. He was able to extend drives, floats one up down for a fifty yard play, close to a fifty yard play uh, over Caesar Williams, and then. There's another third down, third and eighteen. That one in the uh, in the fourth quarter, and it's still a one possession game, and can't get off the field. Third and eighteen, guy catches a short pass, breaks four tackles, gets a first down. That kind of felt like the. I think I said it in the press box, kind of felt like the backbreaker defensively for Wisconsin.
1: It looked almost to me in the second half like Ohio State just decided to flip a switch. I know that's not exactly how it works, but it just it felt that way. Just like in the second half in the first matchup. Well, and Wisconsin but got it, wore down. I thought they did toward the end. But because Wisconsin's
0: offense couldn't stay on the field,
1: right? And that that's the problem is you you can't even the slightest mistakes that you can get away with against other teams. You just can't, you know, you Anthony Lottie fumbles a a punt and it leads directly to a field goal. Now the defense held there. That was they did important.
0: Ohio State got a gift, right? Yes. With Lottie just dropping it. Wisconsin got a gift when Justin Fields just decided to miss a (laughs) wide open tight end. That would have been a touchdown. Yeah, but either way, so so the, the mistake cost them three points. Could have been worse,
1: right? And you know, there's a drive where Wisconsin gets right down into Ohio State territory, and Jack takes a sack, and it winds up they pushes him back just enough that Zach Hints misses a 48 yard field goal, and he hasn't attempted very many. That was his third field goal try of his career, but he had made two before. And those his fourth. Was it his third? Fourth.
0: It Was his fourth because right? he had missed the one against Northwestern. Oh,
1: sorry, of this season. Yeah. How I, I missed. Okay, that. sorry. Third, third of his of this season. Yeah, um, yeah. But those are the small things, and I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to blame anybody. You, can you can can't per- be perfect. But you have to be, right? Right. Or as I put it more as like as close to mistake-free football as you can because when you ask guys about it it's like well no one can play a perfect football game and I understand that. They did as close to it as they could in the first half and couldn't sustain it in the second half and Ohio State took advantage of every mistake because they are that good. They are the most or one of the most talented teams in college football and it's it's just it shines through
0: over the course of a four-quarter game. And they may be the most talented football team that's ever played in the Big 10. I think and we'll see how this playoff plays out. That that 2014 team was pretty good, but they had lost a game. Just the various things that they can do, it's very difficult to deal with. And I was talking about this, and I would say it after the play happened, but Wisconsin would have a perfect call on whether it was a quick screen, or, you know, or it was a you know, misdirection where you kind of got Ohio State's eyes looking one way and pass back the other way, and be like against Minnesota, that's a that's a 15 20 yard gain or if not more against Purdue it's a that's a 60 yard, yard touchdown like <laughs> you know what I mean like those are plays that Wisconsin made or could have made in other games where the call was great the execution was pretty good and Ohio State just has the athletes to blow it up and they just had guys at defensive ends and and linebackers that would get out of position and yet still be able to go and make a play because that's the type of athlete that they are
1: and that's why I think it's tough you know if you're a fan it's okay to hope you could beat Ohio State, but it's tough to be upset with what happened because of how good Ohio State is. They do this to pretty much every team. They are undefeated this year. They've lost like seven games in since 2011, since Urban Meyer first got there, and Ryan Day has obviously carried the torch very well. And so they did They did what they could. I think they performed admirably, like you said, from the outset, and ultimately they're in the Rose Bowl, and that is, as I know we'll talk about, as coveted a bowl game as any, and particularly the way it's revered here at Wisconsin.
0: Here's the thing about that game. They had Ohio State worried. Absolutely. Uh, Ryan Day said in his post-game press conference, they were nervous. Largely because they hadn't been in this position before. Uh, they had not trailed at halftime, obviously. They had not been in a 14-point hole where they didn't know exactly what they were going to get out of it. But And they fought back, and they... Proved that they were the better team and that they were the best team in the Big Ten this year. They had been all year, and they're going to be. They're one of the best teams in the country. But Wisconsin put a scare at them, and it led that scare, along with wins over Minnesota and Iowa and Michigan, led to them being in the Rose Bowl against Oregon. If they had gotten smacked like they did in the first game, or if they had gotten blown out even worse, it wouldn't have mattered. That game and the way that they played in the first half allowed them, at least in my opinion, and and, and uh, uh, Rob Mullins said it. You know the the uh, guy who talks to media about the college football playoff said that that game did certainly open up eyes, but it had a lot to do with the fact that they had beaten three other top twenty five teams. And he mentioned common opponents because they play in the same. And he was re- referencing obviously Penn State. They have common opponents, and the three main common opponents were Michigan, Iowa, and Minnesota. Wisconsin was three and and0 against them. Penn State was two and one, and that's why the Badgers are going to Pasadena. And I asked Mullins, deservedly on so.
1: Yes, hundred percent. I asked Mullins on the there's a teleconference with reporters on Sunday after the college football playoff show was was aired, and I asked him what. How did they make the distinction between the fact that Wisconsin lost three games? I think maybe Penn that's. State. The,
0: I think it's maybe the quote I saw. So I've, maybe it was.
1: Whereas Penn State lost two but didn't win the West, yeah. and, and and that's essentially that's what Mullen said. It, it came down to those. You're welcome. Those factors, <laughs> exactly <laughs> those factors that you said. Right? They beat they beat three teams that are in the CFP top twenty five: um, Michigan, Iowa, Minnesota. That's fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, and two of those wins Penn State has, but Penn State didn't beat Minnesota and didn't didn't get to the Big Ten Championship. And I think, obviously, he said the committee was impressed by what Wisconsin was able to do against Ohio State, and he said they were the deserving team. And it's really hard to argue. Wisconsin still 8, Penn State still 10. It didn't change at all based on last week.
0: Yeah, and to me, that's how it should be. You should not be penalized for winning your division. You should not be penalized for going and playing Ohio State twice, especially if you play him well, and they did play him well. And, and anybody that watched the Penn State-Ohio State game, yeah, it was 28-17, but come on. It, Ohio, uh, Penn State had about three minutes of good play that entire, that entire game offensively, and it came in about a stretch where they got a couple of turnovers deep in Ohio State ter- territory. It's not like they were so much better than Wisconsin against Ohio State. But it really came down to Wisconsin winning the division, beating Minnesota. Penn State couldn't do it. That's what it is. Penn State, sorry, win your division next time. Don't lose to Minnesota next time. It's come. It's been come clear, good wins over bad losses. And Wisconsin had a bad loss, they're better. Their good wins were better than Penn, Penn State's.
1: You, you know what I think is interesting. If if we look back on this season, people are obviously going to go to that Illinois game because it was inexplicable. The Badgers were thirty point favorites. They had a horrible eight minute stretch to lose that game. Ultimately, it didn't it didn't make a difference in where Wisconsin wound up. Other than Wisconsin would have entered the Big Ten championship game with an opportunity to reach right. the college football playoff, just as the Badgers did two years ago against Ohio State. So there would have been more excitement going into that game. But Wisconsin didn't beat Ohio State this time. They wouldn't have beaten Ohio State in that scenario, quite likely. Uh, and they would have wound up right back in the Rose Bowl. Maybe they're sixth in the college football playoff rankings. But it's kind of funny how that worked out.
0: Saturday would have hurt people a lot more if they hadn't lost that Illinois game. Up 21-7 to 7 on Ohio State with a chance to go to the college football playoff and then you blow it? Okay. It's a little bit different than what happened. And I don't even say they blow it. Ohio State came and took it. You know what I mean? Like It's one thing if Wisconsin just gave it to them. I don't think they gave it to them. Ohio State just just came and took it. And that's... That's what they were that's what they're supposed to do if you're going to be a champion, you got to do that, and they did all right, a little sold or not sold Jesse sold or not sold. Wisconsin maximized its talent in going 10 and three this year.
1: I'm sold um yes the the lost Illinois stings, but like I said in the last segment that this is the the Rose Bowl was the goal if you're not going to be in the college football playoff and I don't think anybody thought this team would be in the playoffs. Other than when they got to six and zero, and you thought maybe they can get there, but they're not on the same level as Ohio State. No other team in the Big Ten is. It's not even close. No. And this is a team that, as we all remember, had the most disappointing season expectation-wise in decades last year. They still went eight and five. They won the Pinstripe Bowl, but this was a team that had been thirteen and one, won the uh, the Orange Bowl with a lot of guys coming back. They were picked to finish third in the Big Ten West behind Nebraska, which is. Just a nonsense pick now, <laughs> and behind Iowa, twenty twenty. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I know.
0: Yes, it is. I don't think anybody wants. To,
1: yeah, but I think they proved. I think they proved a, a lot, and I think they they made a lot of strides. And Paul Christ has had a, already had a lot of really good coaching jobs, especially like the first season when they won double yeah. digit games. And he's the he's won the Big Ten Coach of the Year twice. But in my mind, th- this is right up there based on what they were able to do and the way they were able to respond.
0: Yes. I remember in the I think it was the preseason, pre fall practice press conference, the first day, like uh, on Media Day, and uh Paul Chris was asked, would last year be an example of what was to come or would it just be a blip on the radar screen? And he said, The schedule and our record will tell whether it's been whether it's something to be concerned about, whether it's a blip on the radar. It was a blip on the radar. Last year was a blip on the radar. It was not what this program was going to become. This year I think is more not 10-3 and every year and going to the Rose Bowl every year, but this is more in line with what Paul Christ has made this program and what this program is and what this program will be moving forward than last year was any idea of a potential knock and a potential going downhill of this program.
1: And I think they answered a lot of questions that we had. I mean, the defense last year we knew would take a step back. It's a top 15 defense in all four major statistical categories. And at this point, you can't say it's Purely a product of playing inferior competition, I think they they made big strides. They found themselves a quarterback in Jack Cohn that we didn't know exactly what he would have this year, and I, I think he's he's had a really good season and he's been the leader that they needed. You talk about the the kind of the fire and the passion that he showed against Ohio State in that Big Ten championship game. That's why, in in large part, players respect him so much. And you can't you can't overestimate the return of Quintez Cephas, which as we went through fall camp and we watched, they did not have that. Jack Dunn, when I, when I came up with my first two-deep out of camp, was in the two-deep. And no knock on Dunn, but Quintez Cephas is one of the, the best wide receivers that we've seen come through here. Yeah. And he just completely changed the dynamic of the offense.
0: He has. Uh, he's up to, what, 52 catches, over 800 yards, and the six touchdowns still. I mean, he's been everything you could hope for. Like he could, I don't know what more you could ask out of him. The only thing I would say is like maybe force the ball. Because like, right now, I don't want to say forcing the ball to him but force feeding him, like just feeding him the ball, give him uh, a chance. Give, giving him an opportunity. And he came in and I talked to him and obviously you did too after the game. And I asked him, I'm like, was the idea coming in here to get you the ball early? He goes, yeah, that's exactly what we were trying to do. I knew I was going to have to be a playmaker. Uh, I knew I was going to have to make big plays. And that played out exactly as he thought. And and he was trying to, he goes, I was trying to balance between, between being selfish and wanting the ball and doing what's best for the team. But, I knew what was best for the team was for me to be a playmaker and, and go and get it. And Jack Cohn has developed a lot of trust in, in Quintes. and it was kind of similar. Uh, Alex had a lot of trust in him in 2017 uh, to throw the ball up and let him go get it. That play at the end of the first half, that was a perfect example of him because he's not open. He's got a guy right on top of him. There's a safety right there, and Jack threw it up and let him make a play. And he's done that uh, several times, especially late here in this year, that just screams confidence in a guy that uh, has made place for you all all year pretty much. So I don't know. He was he was a playmaker and this was the blip, I think, as I said. It's proven to be that uh, that last year was the blip and that this year is more of what this program is. Sold or not sold? Jonathan Taylor we get 2000 yards rushing. Is that 1906 now?
1: I am sold because that means he's going to play in the game in the Rose Bowl and he was asked about this after the game and and said that he wants to to finish out the right way or, or finish with this team the right way. I think we all know this is his last college game. We do. And I I, I have to say you he know, keeps on
0: retweet like he retweeted a, someone talking about, you know, one more year.
1: <laughs> that would be very surprising. It would be the but, big,
0: it'd be as big a shock as it'd be a bigger shock than Melvin coming back.
1: Yeah. When Melvin didn't come back.
0: <laughs> I'm saying like that would have been like Melvin everyone knew he was leaving all year. Even though yeah. he was even though he said the exact same thing same things as Jonathan Taylor, everyone knew. And this, we all know Jonathan's gone. Yeah. As as well
1: he should be. I think he's going to get it. So, uh, Dane Brugler at The Athletic does uh, mock drafts, and his latest one, he's got Jonathan going number 25 in the first round of the Miami Dolphins, and I went and looked at what the number 25 pick made, you know, what contract he signed last year as a wide receiver from the Baltimore Ravens, four-year contract worth $11.8 million, and most of that, I think, is guaranteed. And that is just that's life-changing money and that's why we've seen especially in the last few years so many top-level players sit out the bowl game i there's two ways to look at it like you're protecting your future you you are investing in yourself and you're also quitting on your team and those are those are two difficult i think concepts depending on which which way you fall there but jonathan has been a total team guy he made it clear that he's going to play in this game it means a lot to him and it is the rose bowl i mean i don't I don't think it would matter if it was the quick lane bowl or something like that, but this is as big as it gets if you're not in the college football playoff. And as he said, he wants to finish it out the right way.
0: Right. And Chris Orr talked about it last week in, in talking about the big 10 championship, they want to leave champions. Well, they didn't get to leave a champion of the, of the big 10. They can be Rose bowl champions. And for a, for a school that has not won a Rose bowl in 20 years, that's pretty big. Uh, they've, they've lost three straight, uh, so those games, Stick with players as good as those 2010 and 11 teams were, and those seasons were. Uh, they did not end the way that they, you know, anybody wanted them to. And I do think that that sticks with guys. So they have an opportunity to to play a, an Oregon team whose only losses was a close loss to Auburn early in the year, late a late drive by Bo Nix uh, to to beat them in the first game of the year, and then an upset. You know, I guess kind of similar to to Illinois losing at Arizona State 31 28. So they've they've actually played pretty good football this year, and they smacked Utah around. And Utah is as physical a team or wanted to be as physical a team as as, uh, many in the country, and Oregon smacked them around. This is not – here's the thing. This is not the same Oregon team – or system, or style that Wisconsin saw the last time they played them. You know what I mean? Like, this is not LaMichael James and, and Dixon and who's it, Kenyon Barner. Like, this is that's that's not this group. This group is a top-ten defense in the country. They are actually ranked ninth in scoring defense, one spot ahead of Wisconsin. They uh, do stop the run, give up a little bit in the past, as you would expect a Pac-12 team to do. They obviously have Justin Herbert, who's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the draft taken. But they have... They're not that explosive, explosive team, though they, they do have explosive players. They
1: actually have one of the better offensive lines in the country, which you do not think Oregon football and you think offensive line. play. Right. They've got an Outland Trophy finalist. Tyler Biotich is a finalist as well. At left tackle, who's a sophomore. And then four other guys on the offensive line that are all seniors. I think even coming into this season, they had combined to start something like 130 games. Right. So they're good there. But I do think it is sort of fitting that Jonathan's last game will be in the Rose Bowl, considering that everything he's accomplished and the only guy who's rushed for more yards at Wisconsin is Ron Dane, who went out as a two-time back-to-back MVP in the Rose Bowl. Uh, I just think it's, it's going to be cool for, for the program, but cool for Jonathan to get that experience.
0: How many in like 450 yards, 455 yards in two Rose Bowl games? Was it
1: 246 and 200 or something like that? Yeah. 446. Yeah. It's pretty darn good. Yeah. If only those counted. Right?
0: <sighs> so you could see where I was going with that. <laughs> Sold or not sold? We obviously we, we've heard about Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's gone. We both believe uh, Tyler Biotis is gone. Sold or not sold? Quintez Cephas will play his final game for Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. This
1: is a, a tough one. I talked to Quintez um, last week for, right. for a story about him, and I it's not that I would have expected him to say, "Well, this is it for me." But I did ask him, "Have you thought about your NFL future?" And he said that he had not spent much time thinking about it, and obviously. He didn't want to take away from the opportunity that was, was moving forward in the Big Ten Championship. I, is he a day three NFL draft pick? That, that's the question that I would ask. Probably. Because
0: day two, day three, I late, think that's, late day two.
1: I think that would be a tough position to be in. But at the same time, he he sort of restored his name this year. He, he obviously... Um, was found not guilty on the sexual assault charges and then was reinstated to the school and came back to, to play football and showed everyone how good he can be. And so in that sense, he's sort of done what he wanted to do. Yeah. But he could also come back and be an even bigger focal point in the offense and elevate his draft stock. I just don't know how much that would matter. Um, you know, if you're a sixth round pick or you're a third round pick, is it worth staying the extra year? I think that's a tough one.
0: Yeah. So are you sold or not sold?
1: Uh, I'm not sold right now that he's going to declare. It wouldn't shock me. It's just, it's it's. I don't. I can't get yeah. inside his head and know exactly what he's thinking because it's not the slam dunk situation where you submit your name to the NFL Draft Advisory Committee and they say absolutely, you're you should leave. Right. I mean, even Tyler Biadic, oh. came back and that that was surprising, but he got a return to school grade now. Those grades are different. It's if you're not a first round pick, I think, or a second round pick. First or second, yeah. If yeah, if you're not in the top 2 rounds, it's returned to school. So, you can make a lot of money being a third round pick. You can.
0: I guess at this point I would be very surprised if he comes back. It, a lot of signs pointing towards that, I would say. You know, just and someone someone tweeted at me about this, but I had also seen some of the tweets from from teammates like saying uh, Madison Cohen, the price just went up, you know, like that type of stuff. I He has done everything that he needed to do this year to make himself eligible and, and uh, attractive once again to an NFL team. Uh, first of all, you know, obviously the, the thing that he went through, I'm not sure teams would hold that against him to begin with. I, I, I mean, maybe they would. Uh, I don't know, if, I don't know, where would that fall under, decision-making? Like, I, I don't, I don't, because, yeah, I, I don't even want to get into that, but, like, I just, I I think he did everything this year that he could possibly do to put himself back in the good standing and good graces of the NFL, and he showed out, and he showed out at the biggest times down the stretch. Uh, had a big game against Michigan, had a big game against Minnesota, had a big game against Ohio State, uh, had some other big games, had another 100-yard game as well, but, like, those are the games that stick out, and, um you know, Michigan State too, the great catch against Michigan State. He came and played in big games uh, when they desperately needed him to and his best against the best. And that would point to that. And I, I think he enjoys being part of the Wisconsin football team, but I can imagine him probably wanting to get out of Madison and just put in this put in it behind him. Can you imagine having to go through that and still sticking in the same town that you went through that in? The no. team the team stood behind him. The players stood behind him. His friends stood behind him, the family stood behind him. University didn't, and I think most fans did, but it's it's a hard that's a probably very hard thing to go through and and to be still in the same city. And he's put himself in a really good spot to go to the NFL, whether it's as a third round pick or a fifth round pick, whatever it is. Go make go make some money. We'll see if he does or not. All right, so we'll start with our uh, some Twitter questions here. Kay Rudolph asks, Will Chris Orr and other injured Badgers be back for the Rose Bowl?
1: Well, we haven't had a chance to talk to anyone since the end of the game, but Chris was featured in a video that the Wisconsin produced talking to a handful of players about the Rose Bowl opportunity. And I mean, that's a good sign. So I I would think so. And especially when you consider it's not like Wisconsin has another game this Saturday, they've got a few weeks to get right and there's no need to rush him. There's really no need for him to even practice until he feels good enough to do it. I mean, he he's had enough football experience. So, with him, I, I would expect him to play, and beyond that, you know, David Mormon. I know
0: David Mormon. Uh, he 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 was suited up. Yeah, um, but, but not, Caden Lyles got the didn't, start. Didn't play right, or didn't play uh, offense. I don't know if he played on special teams or not. In terms of like being on the the kickoff or the uh, the the field goal teams, but um, I'll have to go back and look. You would think he'd be ready to go. Yeah, um, and then obviously um, Rashad Wild Goose played. He came up gimpy at a, uh, one point and came off. They they continue to roll through a bunch of DBs. The one I would be questioning would be Noah Burks. I don't know how serious that was. It looked pretty serious the way that he came off, but we don't know about that. We'll f- I guess when we get closer to it. If he doesn't play, who's, who who uh, who steps up into his spot? I mean, obviously it's Tyler, Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson. That would seem to be. You know, maybe Isaiah Green may gets a little bit more run. I mean, he started. He had a great fall camp and then got hurt after the, I got hurt in the South Florida game and we didn't really see a ton of them the rest of the year
1: yeah I asked Jim Leonard about that a few weeks ago and he said the thumb injury really it really set him back and I think it's obviously a matter of consistency and his his body type is definitely different from some of these other guys but it's been it's been an interesting season with him because he was one of those guys who really flashed in fall camp and you're thinking okay he and Reggie Pearson, young guys that are going to step into starting roles and become big-time players, and it hasn't happened yet for Isaiah. I think it still will happen, but I, I'm more inclined to go with Tyler Johnson because that's who they have gone with of late.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, and Christian Bell as well. You'll we'll yeah. see. He got, uh, felt like he got quite a bit of playing time on, on Saturday night as well. Uh, C.T. Badger says, uh, The last tackle on Jack Cohn was an obvious targeting. The defender had a free run at him and cheap shot at him. Cohn was clearly staggered. Was there any discussion about this at all?
1: Well, it certainly didn't seem to be any discussion. It was, you know, we were on the field for that. And so I had to go back and watch the replay. And certainly it looked, it is the classic case of targeting guy launched and, and helmet first. Yeah. I mean, that's Mike, at
0: least how it appeared. Jason wilde he posted it on Twitter and Mike Pereira responded to him and said that because he was a runner, that he was not covered by by that and that he led with his shoulder. Now, if you go back and look at the video... He didn't leave with his shoulder. He clearly led with his helmet and he held him and he hit him helmet to helmet. Right. And so I don't know why he would be considered a runner. But then you go back to the mission game with Reggie Pearson and uh, McCaffrey running and Reggie got him. He was a runner at that point and Reggie got him up high and it, that was targeting. I don't know why it wouldn't be targeting on this last play either.
1: All I could say is that it was the last play of the game and that it, the game was done. And if you do throw a flag, then you're costing this guy a playoff game half first half of the playoff game I mean, I'm not saying there's some conspiracy theory here but no. I think it came down to more like the game's over right it doesn't matter what happens honestly yeah.
0: I don't think there was any discussion but I'd be interested to know if Wisconsin didn't send that to the Big 10 wondering what the hell and there were a couple of what the hell moments uh, I think wide receiver officiating flinching. wise yeah and I and I, there was a PI in the end zone on um on Fayon Hicks that that seemed a bit questionable but yeah, the the false start that wasn't called. The receiver looks at the official. Like he has enough time to look at the official and and both Wisconsin DBs are like what's going on here? Uh and it wasn't called. That that to me was a big one obviously, but pointing to officials and saying that was the reason they lost the game is not good. Like I I don't think that's what happened. Agree? I mean that was one of the other questions. That was a yeah, I would agree. I, uh, I he Said, uh, talk about a rig job by the refs. That was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. Yeah, John uh, says. I
1: don't think so. There have been a lot of badly officiated games. Yeah, and one play. What was a big play? I don't think it would have made, makes the difference in this one.
0: Which one you talking about? The, the, the jump, the, the false start.
1: That was the most egregious in my mind because it was so obvious. Right. But Ohio State won by two possessions. So it's not like Wisconsin scored any points in the second half that it that it, you know made the made the difference. So.
0: Yeah, Joe asks, being awarded the Rose Bowl is wonderful, measuring stick for extremely successful season, especially in the Big Ten, but can this program take the next step? How big of a hurdle is it for UWG to get there?
1: To me, that question really goes down to, can Wisconsin beat Ohio State? Because we have no reason to believe that the Buckeyes are going to be worse, that they're going to come down a level. They have been the cream of the crop and it, obviously every year, they haven't won the, the Big Ten East. They have the last three years, but it's It takes the perfect set of circumstances. I know we've talked about this before, but 2017 was that perfect set of circumstances where yeah. you've got one of your better offenses, one of the best defenses you've had in this program, and a schedule that is manageable enough to put you in position to make the Big Ten championship game without having to play Ohio State first. And then you've just got to beat, just I say, but you've just got to beat Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. So... They're capable of it. I'm never going to say never. They came one drive from a college football playoff spot. I mean, that's that's, that's forty-three yards. That's unreal, right? But the right set of circumstances, and you have to go through Ohio State. There's, I have no reason to believe that Ohio State's going to fall off a cliff.
0: Did you think this team was better? That 2017 team was better than this one overall.
1: Defensively,
0: defensively they were.
1: Yeah. Offensively. I think they really? have a better quarterback this year.
0: I mean it really does come down to that.
1: Yeah. And because I mean, and they, uh, they had Quintes healthy all year. Right. So maybe it I mean, what game are you talking about if you had your full complement of players? But JT Jonathan was, Taylor's a junior be- now.
0: JT was better this year. Yeah.
1: He's a junior now. He can catch
0: passes. Better offense worse defense. Yes. Worse special teams. Um with with it, uh, de- uh, it depends bag- on
1: where. which I mean
0: well, kicker, probably. G- Gaglin yeah. is better than yeah, what, yeah. They, what they've had this year. But, punting, punting, I think it was the same punter. Yeah. So
1: Crookshank broke one on Against kick return, Yep. So you might be better there, but that'd be a fun game to
0: watch between yeah. the the two. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that game itself should that close game with Ohio State give Wisconsin more confidence that they can actually compete on an, an be an annual contender for the playoff? That 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 question from Cole? <laughs> Not necessarily. I that game
1: itself. I mean. I can't say that one one game is indicative of whether they're going to be an annual contender. You know, they, they seem to have that Illinois-type moment. Well, they, they're going to have that Illinois-type moment more frequently than a lot of teams. And that's not to say Ohio State hasn't had them. Ohio State got boat raced against Purdue and Iowa. So no. that's kind of the nature of the sport in general with 18 to 23-year-olds. But when you're a program that can't just step on the field and out talent every team it comes down to that level of execution and so then you're asking wisconsin to execute at that level every game throughout the season and not just win on talent i i, I do think there's something to be said for the challenges that you face over 12 game season in that way
0: yeah i should have asked this before but uh, jeff asks what do you think was the turning point in the big 10 championship game
1: wow um man that's a good question
0: could you could you point all the go all the way back to the fake punt? They didn't they score. didn't score on that one. But say Wisconsin gets that stop and they're set up for, up 14 nothing already, set up deep in Ohio State territory, they score again and it's 21 to nothing at that point.
1: I li- I I might even pick the third and 7 that went for 50 yards on the first drive of the second half because let's say they get I mean, let's say they get off the field there. They're already up 21 to 7. They didn't score in the second half, so it's hard for me to say they would have gone down and scored. But they would have been up two touchdowns, and maybe that makes a difference. Yeah, because two plays after that, it's twenty-one fourteen. Right, and then you know Ohio State goes on this run. I don't know, but beyond that, I'm like later in the game. It, I I don't think I can say that there's one play they miss the no. field goal, but Ohio State goes down and scores and gets the lead for the first time. Right, but it's not like there was one play that you win. If that if that changes, so does the result.
0: Yeah, no, I. Yeah, Paul asks. Other than JT, any non-seniors that you guys think might will leave? We did talk already about. We think Tyler Biotis is gone. We differ on Quintess at this point. Anybody else? I mean, I, I potentially Cole, Cole Van
1: Lannan would be the only one. I, I, but, sus-
0: I suspect he puts his name yeah. in for a grade. I guess I would be surprised if it's any different than Tyler's grade last year, where it's you know come back to school because I don't think he's been a better player than Tyler was last year. But he held up. I think they held up pretty well on on Saturday night, and I don't and I wonder if that gives him a little bit of a push, but... Um, Those are
1: the only ones that come to mind. I mean, there, there's four underclassmen. Two of them
0: are definitely gone. gone. Yeah.
1: I mean, they're definitely gone. There's just, to me, there's no question about it. And then two that you just don't know. And I think Quintes is more interesting than Cole's situation. because I think there's more of a possibility that Quintes could leave, but I'm, for now, on the other side of that.
0: Yeah. Uh, and Zach asks, uh, which redshirt freshman not named merch should we keep an eye on for next year
1: so which freshman true freshman yes. redshirted this year
0: yeah oh well, i guess it depends if he plays in the bowl game or not but Smar melvin would be a redshirt freshman I think yeah he, i think he ends up playing in the bowl game and that would mean that he would uh, not be able to redshirt because i think he, i think he's played well was minnesota the second game or third game
1: that was his third game
0: yeah so he and he played on he played on saturday night so one more would would burn his redshirt I think that might be something to watch whether he whether they play him in the Rose Bowl or not because
1: you could get away with not playing him as the thing and keep a year. But that's what I'm saying. Same like, thing with Jack Cohn, but it was a different. But it was a different quarterback. He got like five cornerbacks. Right.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So I I'll be interested to see if they if he gets to play or not. But I was looking at the uh, they traveled everybody, but not everybody dressed. Like that's kind of how the Big Ten Championship works. That you can take everybody, but not everybody gets dressed. And so there were just a ton of guys uh, sitting out, and there were certain numbers that stood out, guys that we were talking about this time last year as part of the recruiting class that you were kind of excited to see or you know interested to see. And The two guys that stand out for me, obviously, would be Logan Brown, the left tackle, or offensive lineman, the five-star, who uh, dealt with injuries this year, uh, including a shoulder injury that or an arm injury that kept him out, and he really hasn't been dressing for pretty much the entire season. Can I guess the other one? Sure. Is it Julius Davis? It is. It's Julius Davis. I, as I said— two for me are pretty obvious though. Those would certainly be because uh, Logan Brown, because especially, you know, they're going to have, uh, David Mormon's gone, obviously. And, uh, Jason Urban is gone and we believe Tyler, the is gone. So you're losing three guys. And obviously those are in the guard spots, but it's possible that Logan Brown could play inside. And so you're, you potentially could be looking at Tyler Beach at right tackle. And then who's that swing tackle? Could it be Logan Brown? Could it, and and if Colvin Landon leaves, that lead would, would open up a significant thing, and maybe you move Tyler Beach to left tackle, and you're looking for a right tackle, or maybe Logan Brown is your, is your left tackle. All these guys that Wisconsin have brought in that we were talking about during signing day, I think we're going to hear from them next year. And Julius Davis, through all his injuries, uh, or not all his injuries, his one nagging injury uh, with the with core injury, he's going to have a shot because they have Nikia Watson and Garrett Groschick, and then it's up in the air. It could be anybody. So those would be my two that I would watch.
1: I think that's very well said. Mumajang Mehta is somebody that I'm interested in. Um, he's, he hasn't played football very long. He only started as a freshman in high school and has a lot of potential, and you're not going to have Chris Soar anymore, obviously. Um, so I think maybe he cracks the two deep.
0: Yeah, oh, I think he's definitely in the two deep. I think him and uh, him and Masculinus are probably your, your yeah. backups Le- next yeah. year. Yeah, Leo
1: Chanel will be a starter with Jack Sanborn. I think he that's... played a ton.
0: He play, uh, Leo played a ton on Saturday night.
1: And beyond that... Um, I mean, there are guys that I'm interested to see but don't know if they'll make that next step like right next season. Like Spencer Lytle is an outside linebacker who's had a ton of offers, like 40-plus offers, and picked Wisconsin over Clemson. But outside linebacker, you're still, you lose Zach Bond, which is huge. Yeah. But you've got a lot of other guys there, and I think it's going to be challenging to, to be in the two deep, but... I think, I don't know. I think he's got a shot. Oh, he has a shot. I think it's going to be a challenge, though. Like, it's not a slam dunk like... A coronation, where you know some of these right, other right. guys in certain years are going to take over this spot, but they got a lot of really good players in that 2019 recruiting class, and so I, I do think, as you said, they're going to have an opportunity to make an impact sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, I think the wide receiver spot could be another area where you might see guys step up. Now they're not necessarily redshirt fresh; they're yeah. not necessarily going to be redshirt freshmen. They could be redshirt sophomores. But Taj Mustafa, AJ, and AJ Abbott, yeah. with with uh, AJ Taylor gone, and with. At least in my opinion, uh, Quintez has gone. You've got Kendrick Pryor, you've got Danny Davis, you got Aaron Kirkshank, got Jack Dunn, and Adam Krumholtz. That's that's the five. And those two, those last two, have not seen a ton of time in catching the ball. A lot, lot of time, you know, blocking. But Mustafa and, and Abbott would be the guys that we you would think potentially. Uh, Stephen Bracey has uh, dressed. I don't know if that's simply because he uh, is is on special teams and returns. You could potentially see him back there. But he dressed. He was dressed on Saturday night. So um, you, you wonder about him. But they have so many guys coming back on defense that you just wonder where guys might be able to impact it. Like I, I don't know if there's there's a lot of areas for guys to step in and and uh, make an impact right away. Maybe along the defense, maybe along the defense line. Uh, if you just want a little bit more depth there, uh, with uh, you know well, you know obviously Bryson's coming back, but where's Geo Piaz and so, Rodis Johnson? Those two maybe they can help them along the defense line too. Just give them a little more depth. But I think uh, running back. And potentially offensive line would be the place that I would look. I don't know about you. Yeah. And uh, we'll finish with this. It's a, it's a Zach question. Oregon. Wisconsin's a two-and-a-half point, three-point uh, favorite in that game. What do you what do you think? Um, and does it matter? To you. Does it I mean, matter? It does, or, no, I shouldn't say to you. It, it matters, right? Whether they win? Yes. Oh. Yeah,
1: it matters. Because like, I think
0: the pinstripe bowl, for, for us, who gives a crap kind of thing. <laughs> you know? You obviously want to win your final game. But this, this one actually does truly matter, and people will talk about it years from now, whether you win or you lose it. People are still talking about how in the hell that ball stayed in bounds with Jared Aberderis. You know, like he, f- he fumbles against Oregon. Like, how did the ball stay in bounds? Or did Paul Crisp make the right call in the two point conversion against TCU in 2011? Like, those are the t- Daryl Bevel's run in 1993, Ron Dane's 200 yard game against UCLA, Jamar Fletcher's pick six. Like, these are all plays that fans will remember for forever. So it has an opportunity to be that. No one's going to be remembering John. Well, with Taylor, that lead-in... I'm just saying. It's pretty easy,
1: right? Yeah, this one matters. Every game matters to the players, but from uh, what this means for the program, from how views fans view it, it's huge. This is the biggest postseason game Wisconsin has if it's not the playoff, and the Badgers have never been to the playoff. And so they haven't won the Rose Bowl in 20 years. I think... Of course it's huge.
0: Does it lose luster that it, in this playoff era, you think, a little bit um, from a fan's perspective? I don't—I think— There is a little bit.
1: Yeah, a little bit, but I still think this game is so revered because of what it has meant before that it's still the biggest game, which is funny because they're 10-3, and 3, and in a lot of other seasons, I think if they're 10-3 and 3 and the way things play out, they're not in this game. No. I mean, they went 13-1 and 1 two years ago. They played in the Orange Bowl, which is obviously a very good game. But it was a pre-New Year's game. It's not the Rose Bowl. It's right. just it's sort of interesting how that works. But yeah, this is this is a big deal that people talk about for a long time, and it's been 20 years since they won a Rose Bowl. Time for another one.
0: Back in the New Year six, we will uh, we may have a signing day show. Signing day coming up here in a what a week from Wednesday. <clears throat> so hopefully yep. I I will be putting something together. Hopefully Jesse will be able to stop in for a minute or two. He's got he's a very busy guy. I'm going to be going, you're going out to the Rose Bowl like two weeks before. And you get,
1: you're <laughs> I'm going to be there for six nights. I'm going out December 26th, so I will not be there for the Disneyland showcase, but all the media availability, it's going to be a fun time. It always is.
0: Yeah, so we'll uh, put a signing day uh, show together, and then we'll come back. We'll have a season recap show coming up after the Rose Bowl. Until then, Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. You've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Zone Radio Network.